Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. to me to read the financial headlines right before I bounce on with you. Um, And so the stock market, you've already heard this, um, is surging this morning. Uh, Here here are a couple of the ways that's being framed. The Dow futures rally, nearly 500 points. Vaccine hopes. Southwest jumps, which is kind of funny to say about an airplane, right? An airline, it jumps. Um, Hopefully, it should have just said Southwest soars. Like that would have been, anyway, not, you know. Um, apparently, uh, big moves for Merck and Novavax. We're going to talk about the vaccine hopes that people have and uh, related to both of those companies and what they're up to. But then it's always curious to me what other stocks are soaring, like Crocs, like <laughs> Crocs. There you go. I mean, I like Crocs. But there you go. Um, I want to talk about strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow here at the outset of the show. Um, Great is thy faithfulness, one of my all-time favorite hymns. The words, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. So do you see the new mercies of God today? I mean, there's a reason that God's mercies are new every day, not least of which because we need them. We need new mercy every day. I know I do. So are you seeing those new mercies today? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Can we acknowledge this morning that all we have need all we have need of all of it all we have need of God has provided His grace is sufficient um, there's then this verse summer and winter and springtime and harvest sun moon and stars in their courses above join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness mercy and love pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with 10,000 beside i want to spend a minute talking about that that walk off verse have you have you given god his honor today that he has pardoned you of your sin because that wasn't cheap that's not cheap grace That's a grace that cost him dearly. Pardon for sin. How about the peace that endureth? As followers of Christ, as people possessed of Christ, as people who are God's own possession in Christ, we have a peace that endures no matter what. No matter what. We have a peace that endures. Have you given God his due this morning for the enduring peace of salvation? Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Have you, have you turned to the Holy Spirit this morning and said, I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I can't imagine why you want to take a, up residence in this particular vessel, but I'm so glad you're here. God's presence 
in us, with us, among us, between us, God's own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Let us submit moment by moment today to the active work of the Holy Spirit in and among us. And then strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Do you believe that? Are you counting on that? Strength for today. God is the one who will provide strength for today. And God is the one who has already, because of his faithfulness, provided bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. We'll be right back. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow turning with thee. Doctor, my eyes have seen the All right, joining me now, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can check out what they are doing uh, at cmda.org. Dr. Stevens, welcome back. It's good to be back, Carmen, and I love that piece on Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's my favorite hymn. I told my wife, I heard it one time on the radio, and I said, I want that at my funeral. Uh, That's a testimony of God's grace in my life and your life and our family's life and uh, it's a very meaningful song to me, so thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And let me just um, encourage you, we continue to hear from listeners. Um, when you shared your brief testimony here uh, about coming to faith and what it, you know, what that means to you, uh, people continue to refer to that and um, just want to pass those words of gratitude along to you. Uh, I think it's always good to, you know, you know, what our listeners saying about what we're saying, and they are saying very positive things about the things that you're saying and really appreciated your, your testimony when you shared it. So thank you again for that. Uh, my blessing. So I'm going to just read this sentence and then invite you to respond to it. So after, I just reading this off of Axios this morning, after a study on Friday found that hydrochloroquine was associated with higher mortality in COVID-19 patients, The World Health Organization said Monday it had paused enrollment in the hydrochloroquine portion of its multi-arm solidarity trial to review the safety and efficacy data generated so far. So hydroxychloroquine, sorry, I think I forgot the why. Hydroxychloroquine is the topic of conversation. Yeah, this is probably the most highly politicized medication in my lifetime. And uh, this headline from the New York Times kind of demonstrates that what you need to know about the malaria drug Trump says he's taking. Uh, you know, there, this has become a political issue. It's sad. And there's articles out there now in the scientific literature lamenting the fact that they're even getting having difficulty getting people to roll in studies which are going to determine if this is helpful for prevention, whether it's helpful for treatment. The one study that was promoted was done, I mean, that you just talked about, was done in a a fairly small group of patients and had some flaws to it. Uh, But this is the highest risk group for giving any medication to because they're already uh, very, very sick. Look, one of the questions with hydroxychloroquine, does it prevent COVID? 
which is a big issue if it did. And that's how President Trump was taking it and since he had been exposed. We don't know that. And uh, he didn't go and get this off the Internet. His doctor prescribed it to him. But (laughs) but you can see the political things. These articles you read, uh, you know, say, well, this could be helpful. But then they're going to tell you why it isn't. And uh, hydroxychloroquine, just to put in perspective for people, is been around for a long time, probably 30, 40 years. I prescribed it all the time when I first went to Kenya. It was the treatment for malaria. And uh, we saw lots of malaria patients. It's given now to people with rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. Um, and it, it, where we were in Africa, it's no longer helpful for malaria because it's resistant to it. But many areas of the world in South America and other areas, it is still helpful. So this is a drug we have wide experience on and uh, has lots of um, uh, information that makes you wonder, could it be helpful? Because what it does in rheumatoid arthritis, Carmen, is that depresses the immune system. In rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, what happens is is your immune system goes into overdrive and begins attacking your joints and other parts of your body. Well, one of the things that happens with COVID-19 is that your immune system goes into overdrive and you go into what's called cytokine storm and it begins attacking your own system, not just the virus. So there is some scientific basis to think, yes, we need to figure out if this could be helpful. What's happening, though, because of the politicization is they can now not hardly get people to enter into the study saying, oh, that's the drug you'll die from because, uh, you, you know, it'll cause your heart to go into arrhythmia. Yes, that's a side effect, but it's quite rare. And you would be concerned about that in older people and people with risk for their heart. So it's sad to see this going on, especially when it has possibility of being very helpful. And many doctors are prescribing it because. Uh, they see that uh, this may be an answer to some of the issues they're dealing with with their patients. We are going to find out sooner or later if we can get these studies done, if it's not so over-politicized that we can't. So it's possible that doctors could be prescribing this in relationship to rheumatoid arthritis or systemic lupus or something else, um, not necessarily malaria. It It sounds like there are potential benefits to it for people with other ailments? It's a standard medication. My wife took chloroquine for her rheumatoid arthritis for 10 years. And so, uh, and just recently got off of it on a new, newer immunotherapy that uh, is, has, uh, because the other drugs were not working as well. After a while, that happens with rheumatoid arthritis. This has been prescribed to thousands and tens of thousands of people across the United States and millions millions around the world. In South America, you can go to a drugstore and buy this without a prescription. Interesting. All right. You can't travel to Brazil today, though, because there are um, travel <laughs> restrictions. All right. Dr. Well, David Stevens. No, go ahead. I tell people, don't buy it off the Internet. There's fake stuff out there. Your doctor should prescribe it if he think it could be helpful to you. But we don't need to be, have this politicization of medications. And this is happening exactly. throughout healthcare, unfortunately. And a lot of our professional organizations have become highly politicized on issues like transgender and same-sex marriage and It goes on and on. I remember sitting down with the head of the uh, president-elect of the AMA and talking to him an hour and a half of why were they supporting same-sex marriage. And uh, and he came back and said, well, you know, uh, same-sex partners cannot visit their 
partner in the hospital if they get sick. And I said, that's not a scientific reason to do this. But I mean, they promoted this. It was a political issue that they got behind. A lot of these organizations have become very political, more of a guild than a professional organization. And it's also happening in research where people have a set agenda uh, before they uh, even get into a study. And this issue is highly politicized, not just in the general culture, but in med- medicine itself. All right. I want to have a conversation with you about the drug supply chain. I know there have been uh, something like 20 bills already introduced in Congress related to uh, overhauling the drug supply chain. And I'm now learning from you that the largest grant in HHS history has now been given to a company called, I'm going to I'm going to pronounce it Flow, but it starts with a PH, Flow. And I want to talk about that when we come back. Dr. David Stevens, head of the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find them at cmda.org. We'll be right back. It's like the prize, sunrise, waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on and believe. About 80% of active ingredients for drugs are produced overseas. And so we are working here in the United States of America to develop the nation's first strategic active pharmaceutical ingredient reserve. That's a mouthful. All right. Tell us uh, what flow is, P-H-L-O-W, and what makes this whole conversation so unique? Yeah, well, I'll start with unique because Eric Edwards, who's the co-founder of this company, Flow, is uh, uh, one of the students that went through uh, CMDA group on his campus at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. He was mentored by one of our area directors, has served on our board. In fact, I recruited him when I was CEO of CMDA, and he still serves on the board. And he's a young guy. He's like 40 years old. This is his second company. And uh, he did something very unusual. He went to medical school and then immediately went to pharmacy school and during that time started his first company. And that was a company called Kaleo, which met a huge need because kids have anaphylactic reactions or other people do to bee stings, allergens and stuff. And uh, it's an emergency. And he and his brother, who's an engineer, created a automated Uh, injector. It's computerized. So you pull it out, pull the cap off, and it says, are you having an anaphylactic reaction? Yes. Put this on your leg, through your clothes if you need to, and it automatically gives you epinephrine to uh, halt that response till the emergency people get there. Then did the same thing for Narcan. Narcan is the antidote for narcotics. And so now ambulance drivers, policemen, all sorts of folks are armed with something that can save people's lives when they find them, even though they're not medical. Well, they were very successful with this company that he started during medical school and uh, then resigned from it and turned it over to another group and started a new company called Flow, which you mentioned, because about a year ago, before COVID hit, they realized that there are over 200 drugs that are on short supply in the United States and even more so ingredients. Uh, For example, just recently, uh, India stopped the export of ingredients for 26 drugs because they were concerned they weren't going to have enough for their own people. And it was stuff that we were dependent on the United States to make the same drugs here. Uh, As you mentioned, over 80 percent of drugs uh, ingredients are made overseas now. So they created this company 
and uh, they got the largest grant in the history of Health and Human Services, $354 million with a contingency up to $812 million if successful to make ingredients for essential drugs and to deal with these drugs on shortage lists that are difficult to get in the United States. And what they've done, Carmen, is they have, working with University of Virginia, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, uh, developed a different system for manufacturing drugs. Instead of doing batches, in other words, they uh, get the machinery and work on this drug, and then they clean up the machinery and work on the next drug, they have developed machinery that can do a continuous manufacturing 24-7 and decrease cost, and that's one of their goals, uh, to have low-cost essential pharmaceuticals that are high quality and also key ingredients uh, so we are not dependent on other countries for important drugs. So this this is exciting and especially exciting to me because I know Eric personally and a wonderful Christian young man that uh, God has just blessed and is now going to, through him, bless many people in the United States through this company by making sure we have the drugs we need. So I'm going to read a couple of uh, other paragraphs about um this is from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, just an article related to flow, so people can uh, get a sense of what we're talking about here. The company has already produced more than 1.6 million doses of generic drugs used to help COVID-19 patients. And then this next paragraph I found particularly interesting, Dr. Stevens, and I want you to explain this as well. Flow was incorporated as a public benefits corporation, or B Corp, a type of company that adopts a social responsibility mission. Um, Edward said... It means we are committed to social impact. It means putting people, patients, and the planet over profit. This is this is essentially a nonprofit corporation. It is, and that's a better explanation of it that people would understand. Is that it's just nonprofit. There, I mean, people working there are getting salaries. They're employing over 350 people. They work with other companies, but they're not selling stock. They're not as many pharmaceutical companies do charging enormous amounts of money when they get a drug to market because they want to make all their money before the patent runs out and generics can be made. So this company's purpose is to provide the medications that people need. Yes, staff will get be paid salaries, but they're not selling stock and they're not on the stock market and they they are approaching this if we're trying to help people. And I think that's exciting and biblically based. I mean, there's nothing wrong in making a profit, but uh, it's gotten out of hand in our pharmaceutical industry, in my opinion. My wife's on a drug that costs uh, $50,000 a year for rheumatoid arthritis. Now, mm. insurance pays a vast majority of that, but that is just inconceivable. And you think of people that don't have insurance, how are they going to get these medications? And so... Uh, we need companies like this that are based on biblical principles of we are here to serve and help people. Yes, we need to support our staff, but that's not our main purpose. And uh, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to set not only a new trend in maybe some of our pharmaceutical industry, but new manufacturing methods, which are going to bring uh, the business that's gone overseas to China, India, and other countries back to the U.S. and make more jobs for us and security in our medicine uh, chain. All right. Uh, I want people to be praying for these guys, Eric Edwards and his team at Flow. Um, in terms of encouraging those who are on the front lines uh, of this ongoing challenge uh, of COVID-19, Dr. Stevens, I'm just wondering if you could give us a word of encouragement today as this thing seems to, you know, be taking a really long time. Like we don't really, we're not a people of endurance when it comes to stuff. And so, um, 
you know, I mean, I think that even you're sharing about your wife's rheumatoid arthritis, there's a lot of people living a really long time with really difficult things. And now we collectively as a people are challenged um, with living long term with this with the issue of COVID-19. Maybe just talk with us about endurance and perseverance for a minute. Well, I, I think one of the verses that I have meant a lot to me when I've been in those situations and working 80, 100 hours a week as a missionary doctor, my grace is sufficient for thee. Uh, you know, my strength is made perfect in weakness, and we cannot draw this out of ourselves or generate it, but it really comes from a trust and dependence on Christ Jesus himself. And it does seem long with the kids at home and, and concern about finances and jobs and all the rest, but the promise is still the same. My grace is sufficient for you, so we need to lean on Christ. And uh, and the the hymn that you mentioned, Great is Thy Faithfulness. <laughs> Memorize those words, uh, sing them, uh, hum them, uh, because that speaks of what the result is of trusting Christ, that you experience His faithfulness no matter what the situation. In the most difficult of circumstances, uh, God's grace is sufficient for you. And um, start your morning with Him, uh, stay dependent on Him through the day, spend time in prayer, speak encouraging words to others and stay around people that are encouraging you and uh, claim his promises. And God will see us through this. There's no doubt about it. I've had it experienced it in my own life and in horrible situations. I remember one day we had 482 patients in our 135 bed hospital and we had four doctors and we were overwhelmed. People were sleeping on the floor. They were sleeping underneath the eaves of the buildings. God's grace was sufficient even when it seemed almost a hopeless situation. And that's why that hymn is such a favorite of mine. Hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. David Stevens. Thank you for being with us as always. You guys can catch up with him and all that's going on at CMDA at cmda.org. We'll be right back. All right, uh, I have a listener who is concerned that maybe in that last segment with Dr. Stevens, uh, we were in some way promoting the use of any particular uh, drug therapy. Uh, let me be abundantly clear. Let me be abundantly clear. Dr. Stevens and I, uh, neither one of us made recommendations for the use of any kind of drug outside of what a doctor would specifically prescribe to a particular patient for a particular thing. The point was to help everyone understand that chloroquine is actually something that's in use for many ailments. Um, and so let me just be really, really clear. No one is recommending it for use as a preventative or treatment of COVID-19. Uh, so let me just be sure that I repeat that before we move on to other conversations. All right. Uh, Rachel Hartley is, uh, is a young woman who, when uh, the pandemic hit New York City, she thought, you know what? I have some gifts, talents, and abilities related to that. Um, and I am not on the front line. So how could I get there? How could God take me from where I am in Lynchburg, Virginia, and get me into an emergency room in New York City so I could um, help people? Yeah, that story's up next. I've got Rachel Hartley with me next. We'll be right back. Howard Rutledge came to appreciate his time as a POW in Vietnam. He wrote, after 28 days of torture, I could remember... I had children, but not how many. I prayed for strength. During long periods of enforced reflection, it became so much easier to separate the important from the trivial. 
My hunger for spiritual food soon outdid my hunger for steak. It took prison to show me how empty life is without God. This is Max Lucado. God is at work in each of us, whether we want it or not. He takes no pleasure in making life hard. Philippians 1.6 says, He doesn't relish in our sufferings, but He delights in our development. No one said the road would be painless or easy, but God will use this mess for something good. God is doing what is best for us, training us to live His holy best. This is Max Lakeda with this assurance. You will get through this. Joining me now, Rachel Hartley. Rachel, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right. It's an absolute delight to have you here. Um, I would say that in the updated pictures that I've seen, it looks like Taylor, your husband, maybe has missed some haircuts. <laughs> yeah, his ears got lowered. Um, <laughs> no, we, we took off a lot of hair. He got, oh my goodness, about 10 inches cut off recently. So, all right. So talk with us about um, where you're from, where you are now, and because there's 260 miles uh, between those two <laughs> ports. Um, you are in New York City. You have been serving there as a frontline nurse in the ER, um, and you went there for a specific purpose and reason. So just tell tell our listeners your story. Yeah. So, you know, I've been a nurse for about five years now, and I was living in Lynchburg, Virginia, and as as the whole nation in the world, I was seeing COVID um, really hit New York City heavily beginning in mid-March. All right. We're going to have to uh, reconnect with Rachel here in just a second. So um, let me tell you a, a couple of things that I know. Um, Rachel, uh, all right. So Rachel, just pick up right where you were. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. So I was I was in Virginia in the surgical world, not working because of covid. And I had three years of ICU experience. And, you know, I was seeing the desperate need from New York City for ICU nurses specifically. So eventually, you know, after after praying a lot about it with my husband and seeing this desperate need that they had, we decided that we had to go. We, we couldn't stay where we were. Um, we just had to use this very specific training and skill set, you know, that God had prepared us for such a time as this. And we mobilized. Um, and I know the, the unique thing is that when we decided to come to the city and help out, uh, we, we didn't drive, we didn't fly, we set sail on our sailboat. And you're right, it was 260 nautical miles. Um, we actually ended up sailing Good Friday and we landed in the afternoon on Easter Sunday. And since then, I have been working in the intensive care unit at a hospital here in New York City. So, Rachel, um, first of all, that sounds a little scary at that time of year. Um, the northern part of the Atlantic is, uh, well, it's just cold. Let's just start with that. Um, but then also, you know, it occurs to me that it's not cheap to berth a boat in, uh, you know, in a harbor in New York City. So talk with us a little bit about the trip and then talk with us about um, you know, finding a place to actually moor your boat? Sure. So the sail up here was not a vacation. It was not a leisurely sail, so to speak. You're, you're correct in saying, you know, it's really, it's cold. 
Um, it was windy, which, you know, we prefer and we enjoy the wind because that's what's getting us here. Um, but that makes for a rather unpleasant sail. You know, thankfully, it was about 35 hours. So a day and a half, we just sailed straight through. And the weather otherwise was good. We didn't sail into a storm by any means. So, you know, we were really grateful for that. Now, the amazing thing that happened when I had decided to come here and we we determined we want to set sail, we were just looking for a place to put our boat. And COVID had shut down all the marinas in the city and surrounding area. So we were just at a loss for a place to, to dock our boat. So I just reached out to a sailing group in New York City. And within an hour, they had actually put me in touch with 115 Brooklyn Marina, which is where we're staying. And this marina was so gracious, they actually opened up their doors so that we could stay here free of charge. And just just to give you an idea, I mean, my boat right now in the marina is docked in Brooklyn Heights, and we have a sweeping view of the Manhattan skyline. Um, Million-dollar views right here. And what it kind of breaks down to is over $10,000 a month just to stay here. And they're giving that to us for free. So it's just such a blessing. And that that really amazed us, you know, when when they offered that to us. That was one of the first of just many confirmations that the Lord was was bringing us here and just a blessing that he was giving to us. Talk with us about um, talk with us a little bit about a timeline um, w- when you when you arrive, kind of what you've been doing, and then how long you expect to be there. Um, and Rachel, you and I actually have to take a very very brief break, so let's do that, and then let's come yeah. back and let's have you talk with us about you know your experience there and um, and how long you expect to stay. So we'll be right back. I'm talking with Rachel Hartley. She is a nurse on the front line, uh, serving in the ICU unit in New York City. We'll be right back. I am talking with Rachel Hartley. She and her husband, Taylor, sailed from the coast of Virginia up to New York City uh, in order for Rachel to serve in the ICU of uh, New York City hospitals in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what motivates a person to do that, Rachel? Let's uh, let's start with that. Um, And then how long do you expect to be there? So my main motivation, you know, obviously, and always will be my faith in Jesus. Um, you know, just just the the call that he's placed on, you know, my life and I believe every believer's life to to love and to, to serve and to give our lives um, for the benefit of others and to spread his name. You know, that is what has driven me to the city. And he has given me, you know, an incredible nursing education at Cedarville University and has prepared me through my career for for this time and this purpose. Um, So that is exactly what has motivated me. And, you know, I got here Easter Sunday. I'm going to be here for at least two months through the beginning of June. And right now the hospitals are are taking a look and seeing, you know, if they need if they need us longer than that, because still things are pretty wild here. Yeah, let's talk about that. What um, what have you, maybe what is something that you have seen or experienced and you're thinking to yourself, people need to know this? I just think the atmosphere, especially when I got here in the middle of April and end of April, 
you know, I have never worked in such a hard environment and walking into the hospital and just understanding what exactly is going on, how the hospital I'm in specifically had to convert basically its entire space into intensive care beds. Um, because just the, the people that are getting COVID, the numbers and the volume is so high. And I, I think it's important that people know how non-discriminatory COVID is. You know, it can affect anybody it, from people that are older and already sick to young and healthy people. Um, I have seen so many people lose their life because of this disease. And I know it can be it can be hard when you're not in the epicenter, you know, I know I'm here essentially in a, in a bubble in New York City, seeing this on a really, really large scale. Um, but you know, my my prayer is for people that even aren't in such an intense environment as New York City, still are wise in taking precautions um, and compassionate to love and protect those around them. So I'm curious, um, what what do you anticipate the future holds? Are you um... Are you guys thinking that, you know, after we are through whatever that means and however long that takes and are you like you sort of have the medical missionary bug now? Like I want to go and do things in hard places where people need it most. Um, Or do you expect I mean, not that Lynchburg is, you know, an easy place to serve, I'm sure. But right. There's a difference in Mm -hmm. um, in sort of the hmm. The resources, the personal and otherwise, the resources that are necessary to do what you're doing now versus maybe what we think of as um, a more routine place and way of serving. Yes, absolutely. You know, my my passion and for my husband and I is that we, we do want to join the mission field. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm in graduate school at Cedarville University and I'm almost a nurse practitioner hopefully will graduate this summer. And our goal, you know, with my education and Taylor's training is to mobilize on the mission field and use that um, in, in hard, in hard places, places that first of all, first and foremost need to hear the name of Jesus and the good news that he brings. Um, And, you know, I hope, I hope to be able to use that through medical mission. So definitely coming here to New York city, has just inspired me even further and affirmed in, in, you know, in our lives that this is where we need to be in in this similar context. So Rachel, I mean, it's just, it's so encouraging. I hope you know that. I hope that it's such a great encouragement to other Christians who are listening right now, um, you know, saying to themselves, thanking God, thanking God that he plants in Mm -hmm. the human heart, generation after generation after generation, the desire to go and to serve others um, in the spirit of Christ. And it is a powerful, um, it, it's a powerful calling. And so we want to affirm you in it and celebrate that. Um, tell us one thing that we need to know about Taylor. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Thank you for that bit of encouragement for me. Um, so, so Taylor, he's, he's the rock and, you know, he's the motivating force behind all of this. So he is the sailor, the captain of the vessel, um, he's the one that his, he has such a servant's heart to ser- serve the Lord and has, you know, pushed me, um, in the best of ways to come here. And he's the one truly, you know, we're, we're living aboard. He's the one that's keeping everything going. Um, I just, I want to share something kind of unique. He is an incredible cook. So pretty much I work night shift and whenever I wake up, um, to have, and I eat, I eat a dinner breakfast, so to speak. 
he always has a gourmet meal made for me. Um, so he, he's an incredible cook and I am just, I'm so thankful for, you know, for everything he does, but that's just a really special, sweet way that he serves me. So one of the conversations, um, Taylor, I mean, obviously I uh, am a person who other people would look at and say, yeah, that's, that's, in, that, you know, she's in ministry. That's a ministry that she's doing. And I, like you, have a husband who um, mm-hmm. supports that in really significant ways. But I'm also, mm-hmm. you know, a person of uh, what I would describe as very traditional Christian faith and um, and expect you are too. So I just want to affirm that. I want to affirm and celebrate you and Taylor, what you guys are doing. We look forward to hearing um, from you again, just just celebrating with you what God's doing in your, in your life. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention an opportunity in Mango, Togo, West Africa, where my sister Jennifer DeKrieger serves, um, and she's a Cedarville alum, um, and if you're looking for a place of service, I would be remiss if I didn't put that on your uh, radar. Wow, thank you. I, I would love <laughs> to get in touch with her. That would be incredible. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I uh, I love Please. that. All right, Rachel Hartley, thank you so much. Prayers upon the completion uh, of your graduate work at Cedarville. Prayers of blessing upon you and Taylor in your ongoing service there in New York City on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um Prayers of gratitude to God for you as a sister and brother in Christ, um, who he is using in such extraordinary and magnificent ways. So thank you for joining us. I hope you'll come back. Thank you, Carmen. I would love that. All right. Blessings. We got to take one more quick break. We'll be right back. What fun, right? What fun to connect with our brothers and sisters in Christ and check in with them, not only on the headline news of the day, but on the ways in which God is calling his people today, today, uh, to be out there as ambassadors of the king and the kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. So God is bringing his grace to bear today through his people. God is bringing his grace to bear today through his people, not just through uh, you know, Rachel and and Taylor, um, but through you and through me and through every brother and sister in Christ that we have around the world. And so in places uh, that are hard for us to imagine, God has people who are extending his grace. Just think about that for just a moment. God is extending his grace right now to more and more people around the world, people whose names we will not know, but with whom we will spend eternity because they will come to a saving knowledge of God's grace in Jesus Christ. They will receive him. They will begin living um, in him and for him and through him just like we do. So spend some time in the word today if you have not already. Uh, Where in the word are you today? I haven't asked that question Uh, yet this week. And so I'll ask it now on this Tuesday, which is like a Monday or Monday on Tuesday. Um, We have a short week, so we have to listen fast. So I hope you will visit the website, grab a podcast that you find encouraging, share it with someone new, be a missionary of this program, uh, and continue to pray for us as we continue to encourage and inspire and inform and hopefully equip you for the good work that God has prepared in advance for you to do. 
remembering always and in, and in all ways that God's grace is sufficient. Maybe that is the most noteworthy thing today. His mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is great. And his grace is sufficient. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.